racism and bias is part of our society, and that shows up in healthcare as well. I ended up getting um, pulmonary embolism in my lung, and then I had blood clot in my leg. Do you think that Amber would be alive today with Elias if she had been white? 100%. <laughs> my heart is broken. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news stories? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one -on -one conversation with our reporters every week, right here, right now. The Debrief. Welcome to The Debrief, everyone. And as we've been doing for our recent sessions, we are focused on the coverage of race and racism. We've been talking about it in our newscast. We've been talking about it here and how race and bias intersect with various aspects of society, trying to paint a fuller picture of the issues that have They've really always been with us, but of course they have surged to the top of the nation's consciousness with the killing of George Floyd and a number of events since then. But this week, Checky Beckford is focused on a particular issue, race and childbirth mortality rates. It's a powerful story. Let's listen to it. Even in his music, there's no escaping the grief. What wasn't there to love about her? Um, Amber was just a phenomenal woman. Um, what I liked most about her is how caring she was. Amber always had this like motherly essence to her. And that only compounds the tragedy for Bruce McIntyre, who's still haunted by the words of a doctor on what should have been the happiest day of his life. The first thing that came out of his mouth was, I'm sorry for your loss. Amber Isaac Rose, the love of Bruce's life, died in April during an emergency C-section giving birth to their son, Elias. I never got to see her hold him, play with him. I don't have no pictures of them two together and that absolutely destroys me. But in the darkness, there is light. While raising Elias, Bruce has found a mission. I feel like the longer I wait to act, more families are in danger. More children are losing their mothers. More partners are, are, are losing their spouses. He's fighting to change this chilling reality that in the U.S., black mothers are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth than white mothers, and 60% of those deaths were preventable. The numbers are even worse in New York, where black mothers are 12 times more likely to die from pregnancy-related complications. Do you think that Amber would be alive today with Elias if she had been white? Yes. 100%. Amber would definitely be here if she was white. Bruce says it was a failure by doctors at Montefiore Hospital to diagnose Amber with a condition called HELP syndrome, a complication of high blood pressure. Amber, healthy and 26 years old, sensed trouble, tweeting soon before her death, can't wait to write a tell-all about my experience during my last two trimesters dealing with incompetent doctors. Within the medical system, there's been this repetitive pattern to where when it comes to African-American women, valuable information is failed to be delivered. Of course, we have to look at society and racism and bias is part of our society. And that shows up in healthcare as well. The New York State Health Foundation found it's a chronic condition, noting implicit racial biases by healthcare providers have been associated with less accurate diagnoses, curtailed treatment options, and worse clinical outcomes for minority patients. 
Other studies show higher income and education levels make little difference. Black mother with a college education is 60% at 60% greater risk for maternal death than a white woman with less than a high school education. Celebrity is no insurance either. I ended up getting um, pulmonary embolism in my lung and I had blood clot in my leg. Tennis star Serena Williams had a life-threatening scare after the birth of her first child and says she felt disregarded by doctors citing racial disparities. She said, I hope my story can inspire a conversation that gets us to close this gap. <laughs> well, how did- Broken. It is. It broke. <laughs> For Dennis Semple in Rishima, Washington, that gap is an abyss. They still don't know why their 26-year-old daughter, Shaisha, died at Woodhull Hospital while giving birth. I'm like, what happened? What went wrong? I was there to see my daughter pass the window for me. She has to see their daughter born and die. Oh, my God. <laughs> Woodhull Hospital wouldn't answer specific questions about Chaisha's death, but in a statement to News 4 offered heartfelt condolences and noted the persistently high rates of maternal mortality that disproportionately affects people of color is a grave national crisis. We need to listen to moms. Um, we need to, we know we need to address implicit and explicit bias. We know that we need to address the root causes of social inequities that impact health. They need to understand that we're not statistics. We're people with families. Bruce McIntyre wants more answers, too, about Amber's death. Montefiore Hospital also declined to answer specific questions, saying any maternal death is a tragedy and highlighting the fact its mortality rate is lower than average. If Amber would have received standard care, she would be here. And that's what he wants now for every mother of color. He's launched the Save a Rose Foundation to pressure health care providers to get politicians focused on the crisis. Amber would not want me to sit around and not do anything about this because I know if it was the other way around, I know Amber would do it for me. I know Amber would fight hard for me as she has. I want you guys to see who his mother was and how she impacted the community, how she impacted the world. I want him to, to know that his mother was a superhero. Just a powerful, powerful story brought to us by our Checky Beckford. And I'm happy to have Checky on the phone with us now to talk about it a little more. Checky, I I can only say as a viewer of this story, it was difficult not to be moved. Sometimes tough to get through it as those those husbands and fathers were, were crying. Give us your perspective of putting this story together. First of all, how it became on your radar. And we know that you are a young mother yourself. But tell us how this idea came forth and then the actual putting together of it. Well, actually, it was our wonderful producer, Melissa Mack, who who brought it to my attention. I'd actually heard about um, these cases uh, a while back. I, I don't know if you remember that Serena Williams shed right. light on it for the first time a couple of years ago after her childbirth experience. And I think for everyone, it was shocking because, you know, we're talking about Serena Williams. She's a celebrity. She has a lot of money. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and you wouldn't think that something like that would happen to her. And when you started looking at the numbers uh, from the CDC and even from New York City uh, studies independently, you saw that these these numbers affect women, uh, black women and mothers of color across the country. And specifically in New York City, where women, black women are 12 times more likely to die from childbirth than white mothers, which I mean, my jaw dropped at that because you would never expect that, especially in uh, one of the most diverse cities in the country. 
uh, where you think that black mothers would be uh, on equal footing with mm. white mothers. So um, as you mentioned, I am uh, not so much a new mother. My daughter turns one actually tomorrow. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, in mine 14, Checky, it's relative. So I say you're new relative to me, but understood. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Look, I've been in the game here for a year and it's been an interesting year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still feel like it just happened yesterday. The time flies by. Right. That was one of the things that was on uh, top of my mind while I was pregnant, especially again, after hearing Serena Williams' story and hearing mm. more of these stories come, come to the front. Um, I, I was thinking about that. You know, I I had uh, lived in New York City and I just moved uh, to New Jersey. And uh, that was at the top of my mind all the times I was going to my doctor's visits and, and, and throughout the pregnancy, making sure that I was my number one advocate, uh, patient advocate and asking extra questions and, and making sure that I was heard. Because um, I know from studies that black mothers uh, often tend not to be heard. And it's not necessarily from, and I know you spoke to Dr. Zephyrin, but mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a, a conscious, um, a, a conscious thing. It's more uh, an unconscious bias that, that studies have found in medicine, including, uh, maternal medicine. Indeed. The conversation with the, with the young father there, the young husband and father, uh, uh Bruce, uh, it's a poignant moment when you ask him, do you think if, uh, uh, the mother of your child was white, she would have survived. And he doesn't hesitate. He says yes. Oh, he's, he's, he's confident. He's, he's positive that that would have been a different case. One thing that we actually mm. talked about that wasn't uh, a part of our story, but um, we had, a, we, we had an over an hour interview. So we talked a lot. And uh, one thing that he mentioned was uh, on the day of his son's birth, the day that Amber died, uh, he tried to get into the hospital and that there was a security guard who, um, you know, briskly told him, you know, calm down, baby daddy, specifically using the words he wow. said, baby. And uh, he, he said they would never have used that word with, with, with a white right. father. You know, that would never have happened with a white father. So um, and, and he also, of course, he laid out other instances as well with Amber's doctors where he felt like she was being ignored. She put out her own tweet just days before her own death. So, you know, he's, he's positive that if she had been white, uh, that, that there would have been more care and more attention to her. Mm. And the ability in the healthcare system to listen and address uh, and communicate with these moms, these mothers of colors who are often kind of raising the red flag of warning. Such such an interesting story. And you're right, Jackie, we, we did speak with Dr. Zephyrin, and we're actually going to play part of that conversation uh, right after we speak with you. But I just before we let you go, just give me your takeaways on this. Again, such an emotional story, powerful story. Just your takeaways, a little reporter's notebook, if you will. I think, you know, I think obviously more has to be done as a reporter. It, 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 you want to spend an hour on, on these right. stories. You want to be able to, to, to delve even deeper because once you start pulling one thread, you know, uh, three more appear. Um, I think something that Bruce talked about that, that I'd like to, to, to follow up on and to do a follow-up story on is the idea and what his Save a Rose Foundation, he named after Amber, Save a, Amber Rose, Save a Rose. Um, Save a Rose is trying to uh, bring more birthing centers to, to black communities to, because black mothers oftentimes don't have access to that. That's something often, you know, uh, moms have to pay out of pocket for or doulas or midwives. Basically, those would be advocates for mothers uh, in the delivery room to make sure that their, their right. desires are met. And, uh, and so he wants to make those things more accessible to black mothers mm-hmm. in the hopes of, of preventing another mother from dying before ever meeting her child. 
so important. Jackie, thank you for bringing us this powerful story and adding to this conversation that we have, which is, of course, ongoing, of how systemic bias and even racism permeates many aspects of society. We hope people are open to the discussion. But thank you, Jackie. Thank you, David. We're going to take a closer look with the doctor that Checky interviewed. We're happy to have Dr. Lori Zephrin with us today in OBGYN. Dr. Zephrin, thank you for being with us on what is such a, a sobering topic to talk about. When we try to have this conversation with people about systemic bias, inherent racism, and how it affects various aspects of society, on the surface of it, some people may say, well, I don't get it. How does this happen? So take us through what happens perhaps in the healthcare system that we get to a point where three out of four or, or black mothers die at a rate of three or four more times than white women. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very complex issue. And as we think about maternal mortality and maternal morbidity, which are conditions that where women can essentially potentially experience a life-threatening diagnosis or undergo a life-saving procedure as a result of pregnancy, you know, we see the significant disparities and we also have to understand why. And so just to frame your question, you know, when we look at the drivers of, of maternal mortality and morbidity, deaths that occurred during pregnancy, at the time of delivery, and after pregnancy, and about half Half of those occur after pregnancy. And we have to understand the importance and the role of access to safe, high-quality care, access to safe, affordable housing, access to living wage, quality education, transportation, et cetera. Those are critical and important. And the, the differences we see in access to all of those things are impacted by structural racism in terms of where you live, um, the jobs that people have, and the healthcare that they have access to. So I think that's sort of one framing. The other framing, which I think is also important, is once you reach the healthcare system, you know, the type of care you have access to. And New York City, it's, it's a big city, impressive right. hospital centers. Not everyone can get the same care. And that's important to be able to highlight why that is and dive deeply into that. So, Doctor, from your own experience, I mean, you know, we talk about these overt acts of racism or these clashes, for example, when we talk about uh, confrontations between police officers and African-American men and whether race is overriding that uh, and they end so horribly. Uh, are we talking about a healthcare system or doctors that are overtly uh, treating black women differently than they would white women? You know, we, you know, when we think of the, the day-to-day interactions, I don't, I don't necessarily believe or want to believe that, that doctors, nurses, healthcare providers that go into healthcare with the intent of, of harming. I mean, it's, it's, it's a profession where people want to do good and want to have impact. It's important to look at outcomes and the outcomes we're seeing. We're obviously seeing these disparities. And we do know that, um, you know, black women, uh, compared to white women are more likely to report being treated unfairly and with disrespect by providers because of their race. We really need to understand the roots of that, right? And so there's a lot of work addressing implicit bias and to be able to address um, everyone's unconscious bias. And I think that work is important. And also it's important to dive deeper to really understand how racism can manifest within healthcare systems. Those are difficult conversations to have. Um, and they need to be had if we're going to address this issue. 
And, you know, I, I think Checky points out, I mean, you're seeing it from your perspective, of course, as a, as a doctor, as a woman of color, but this is also backed by the New York State Health Foundation. And when I say backed, I'm not saying that they affirm it, but it is kind of, you think of an independent body that says, yeah, no, this is a thing, this exists. Exactly. And I think now we're seeing people are becoming more aware of the impact of systemic racism. You have, you know, some organizations declaring systemic racism as a public health hazard and something that needs to be addressed. And so I think because of where we are now with who we see being impacted by the pandemic, we have to go deeper to understand why this is happening and really understand the root. And that's how we're going to make change. Dr. Zephyr, one of the numbers that really jumped out at me uh, is that a lot of these deaths are 60% preventable, or the deaths are 60% preventable. Uh, explain that number to me, and then whether you, as someone who takes a close look at this issue, has reason to be optimistic at all. Most of these deaths are preventable, and that's really important for us to highlight, that we have solutions that can be implemented. One, if we think about hospital health system solutions, we have evidence-based standards that hospitals can implement that this doesn't happen. You know, how, how care is delivered, ensuring that quality care is delivered, and also really making sure that one considers equity as people are thinking about quality and safety. What I mean by that is as negative outcomes are happening, one needs to be able to understand from the hospital level, are there differences between black moms and white moms, and if that's the case, why are those differences happening and making those modifications? So there's evidence that mm -hmm. we can implement to make those changes. Okay. Um, in terms of preventable, so, I mean, it goes back to what are the causes of this maternal mortality and morbidity? When we, when we dive deeply into what's causing this, we know that we have interventions, whether it's because of, of bleeding or blood clots or, or other conditions, we have um, treatments that can really impact how that care is delivered and impact outcomes. So often in healthcare, it's important to make sure that we're not doing too little too late. And so by listening to moms and intervening at the appropriate time, there's an opportunity to really change um, where we are now. Dr. Zephyr, what you just said, I feel comes up in so many aspects when we talk about uh, race and racism and how to try to change things, no matter what segment of society, it's listening. And your point, listening to moms, a conversation, uh, acknowledge that maybe we're coming to the table with some biases, but we have to listen to a mom when she says something's wrong and take a deeper look. Um, thank you so much for offering a broader perspective on this and for the work that you do, doctor. Thank you so much. And we thank you for joining us on The Debrief. We want to thank our production team, Melissa Mack, Darren Price, and Ben Berkowitz. I'm your host, David Ushry. We will certainly see you next time right here for these important conversations. <laughs>